0: Today on Ag News Daily. It early identifies estrus and early identify health issues with cows. This is very, very useful for dairy farmers.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a rainy Tuesday here across Iowa, parts of southern Minnesota. I believe the storms are now making their way a little bit into northern Missouri, a place that has been parched. Uh, you know, maybe this rainfall, do a little bit, rebuild some soil most moisture and help them get off to a better start next spring. And it looks like it's headed into Illinois. So not fantastic for a lot of growers who were hoping to get the combines out rocking and rolling this week. And unfortunately, at least the storms that came through Grinnell came through with some pretty strong north winds. I haven't done a, a road trip yet to see if, uh you know, how everything is standing. But I wouldn't be surprised if this late in the game we did see some, some stock snap a little bit. Sorry, I'm looking out the window trying to see Cornfield uh, next to me, and eh, yeah, it looks okay. I don't know what he's got planted out there, but that's what we're seeing here across the Midwest. I am flying solo again. Delaney is still in Ireland. We will hear from her a bit later on. Of course, today is our hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation, and Delaney found a company over in Ireland that is doing some pretty innovative things. So we'll let her talk about what she's seeing and what she's learning, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to pick up on uh, some of yesterday's stories. First of all, we had another trade announcement yesterday. We alluded to it on the podcast. The news didn't actually break until after the markets closed. President Trump did announce the expected $200 billion worth of additional tariffs on Chinese imports. They are going to be about 10%. Is the current tariff rate? With most of these tariffs, then moving up to 25% by the end of 2018. Now, these tariffs will go into effect on September 24th. So we've still got you know another six days, five days to get stuff ordered from China if you need to before those tariffs take effect. It's another wide range of goods. One of the things that President Trump dropped off this list. Is rare earth minerals, which we talked about there with a BJ split yesterday with Brian during the market Monday. We need them. And China's kind of the only source. So it makes sense that President Trump would pull those off the list. But that still remains to be one of China's points of leverage. Now, as expected... China has retaliated. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, China said they are going to put tariffs on additional $60 billion worth of American goods. It's about 5,700 products coming from the U.S. into China. It includes some airplanes, some high-tech stuff, just kind of a grab bag. No additional tariffs on ag commodities. And I at least haven't found, and I haven't been able to search through all 5,700 items yet, but I haven't seen any new ag commodities that are going to be hit with tariffs. So that is good news there. We we did see the soybean market kind of take it on the chin today, but, you know, how much of that is is harvest and and how much of that is trade, who knows. Um, We also had good news. President Trump did say that the U.S. might at some point sign a trade deal with China. And I saw that that was, uh, he tweeted that earlier this morning. I saw that and I kind of thought, hey, isn't uh, isn't that why we're doing all this? But uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, apparently, that's, he's come back out. He's he's kind of reaffirming, I guess, what we'd all already hoped anyway, or at least my personal preference would be that we get some kind of a trade deal and keep that market open to U.S. agriculture. Um, China's going to put those tariffs on same day, September 24th. And here's the kicker. Here's what's kind of got the policy wonks in D.C. and the trade aficionados, uh, kind of scratching their heads a little bit. When President Trump issued this $200 billion that will go into effect on the 24th, he said, if China retaliates, then we are ready to go with the other $267 billion worth of imports from China that we would put tariffs on. Uh, and now China has announced they will retaliate. So, come September 24th, when those Chinese tariffs go on, are we going to see that day or you know, a day later in short succession... Another announcement of U.S. tariffs going on Chinese goods. That's certainly the way the, the release made it look last night. So stay tuned. We're not done talking about this issue. We're not going to be done talking about it, I think, while President Trump is in the White House. And we'll just hold on and ride this roller coaster as best we can. Mark it when you can, not when you have to. So that's the story there. Now, that's story one, tariffs. Story two that I touched on yesterday, and we've got a little bit of an update today, is Hurricane Florence across North Carolina. Now, yesterday I mentioned the story in the New Yorker. Very critical story on what hog manure can do to waterways if manure lagoons are overtopped or if the the levees breach it, and that manure spills out. You know, it's They painted a very, very scary picture for folks who are not all that familiar with livestock operations. Good news. As of yesterday, as of yesterday afternoon, North Carolina pork producers reported there had been zero lagoon overtoppings. However, today the North Carolina Farm Bureau came back out. They issued a statement. They said, no, that's not true. We have seen one. It was a small producer, and in this instance the uh, they did an inspection and the solids remained in lagoons so it was basically just the, the manurey water that has overflowed it didn't take raw solid manure out into the waterway so that that's a good thing and out of 3000 lagoons in North Carolina gosh that's a hell of a success rate considering they got 35 inches of rain in some places and the uh, The guy from uh, from North Carolina Farm Bureau. Let me find his name here. Chris Clayton over at DTN did a a great interview with him. I'd encourage you all to check it out. It is on their free page. His name is Larry Wooten. And uh, Larry said, quote, We've got municipal sewage that dumped millions of gallons of untreated sewage, and nobody seems to say anything about that, but they want to jump on the hog industry in North Carolina. And, gosh, that just kind of drives home the point I was trying to make yesterday from that New Yorker piece. Yeah, there's been a lot of photos floating around on the web. I'd encourage you all to uh, to check out North Carolina Pork Producers. They've caught a bunch of these that are inaccurate pictures of the hog industry and of the hor- Hurricane Florence flooding. The AP apparently tagged two huge uh, machinery storage sheds as hog barns, and these were inundated with water. And they had tagged a municipal wastewater plant and its lagoon as a hog lagoon and it wasn't and i believe those have both been corrected but that's the kind of thing we in agriculture i think need to keep an eye out that that comes from knowing the industry you know knowing what our neighbors uh, barns and lagoons look like and when you see a flaw don't assume malice it's just shoot them a correction say hey notice you got this picture up yeah i'm pretty sure that's not uh, what you said it was you know can you uh, can you revise it and in my experience most journalists will be more than happy to correct their story and be more accurate. So let's take advantage of that. Next story, I want to jump us over to Germany, home of Bayer, recent acquirer of Monsanto. Earlier today, Bayer did uh, kind of a 2019 Outlook meeting with a bunch of its investors and its board, and they said it will be very difficult to predict 2019 earnings in the ag business. And, of course, we're familiar with all of these reasons, the U.S.-China trade disputes, changing global trade flows. You know, nobody quite knows what this is going to look like. They did say, however, something that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. I know a lot of our market analysts have suggested that we could see significantly more corn acres going in the ground in 2019, particularly if if beans stay uh, mired where they are today closing another contract low, but we'll get to that in just a second. And uh, Bayer says, look, we're well poised to take advantage if the U.S. plants more corn acres. Now, something they didn't touch on in the story, and I sent an email off to one of the uh, PR folks from Bayer. All of their conversations in Germany today touched on ag commodities, trade flows, what are we going to plant, and what are we going to, uh, to treat those plants with? What kind of crop protection tools are we going to utilize? At no point in their meeting today did they talk about the dicamba lawsuits and the glyphosate lawsuit, which we saw take place in California, which, of course, is being appealed. Those things, to me, could strike. I mean, that'd make me a little nervous if I've got courts handing down a $200 million victory to an anti-glyphosate you know, case. I got a feeling that would hit the bottom line. Bear didn't touch on that, of course, with the appeal. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens, but certainly a lot of things to keep in mind with that. But I just thought that was fascinating. You know, here they've they've acquired Monsanto. They now have a huge share in the corn seed business. They're a little bit less of a player, as, as a lot of our listeners know, on the soy side. But the corn side is what they are keeping an eye on. Now I don't want to dilly-dally too long. I want to make sure we've got plenty of time to hear from Delaney, so let's just jump right into the markets and see where we closed. Unsurprisingly, with harvest and trade in the news, we are down on corn and soybeans today. Folks, remember our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zayner Group. Get in touch with those folks. Put together a marketing plan. We're going to have challenging years, this one and into the future. Let's get aggressive. Think outside the box. Call our friends at Zaner. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or on the web at Zaner.com. In corn, the Deese contract down four and three quarters at 343 and a quarter. The March down four and a half, finished at three fifty five and a half. In soybeans, the Nove contract, contract low, contract low close, down nine and a half cents at 814 even. The January down nine, closed at eight twenty-eight and a quarter. In Chicago wheat, a little bit of an uptick today. The December contract up four and a quarter at five ten and a half. The March up three and three quarters to finish at five twenty-nine even. Looking over on the livestock side, red in the cattle complex. The October live cattle contract down twenty cents at one thirteen twenty-two and a half. December down twelve fifty to close at eleven at one seventeen ninety-seven fifty. And in feeder cattle, the September down a dollar fifty at one fifty-five eighty-two and a half the october down a dollar 15 to close at one fifty eight oh two fifty. and in lean hog strength here on the front month contract with the october up 27250 to close at 59 17 and a half december up 260 finished at 5797 and a half and of course a quick look at the dairy market in class three milk september contract up a penny at 1613 the october down five cents to close at 1606. Now I'm going to throw it over to a quick introduction to Ireland from our own Delaney Howe, and she will introduce us to our Tech Tuesday interview.
2: Greetings from across the pond! I'm having a great time in Ireland so far, learning a lot about Irish agriculture here at the National Plowing Championship. Just to give you guys a quick background of some Irish agriculture, for those of you that are interested in learning more, Ireland has about 4.4 million hectares devoted to agricultural production, which hundred and thirty nine thousand six hundred farmers with the average farm size being approximately 32 hectares. so they're doing it a lot on a lot smaller scale than what we're used to there in the. US. talked to some producers and farmers today and, and yesterday and they said an average farm size for them, a dairy farm size for them would be about 80 anywhere from 80 to 200 head so a lot smaller we're looking at here maybe more comparable to a cow calf size. When we look at dairy industry, some of their top industries, for agriculture here in Ireland are dairy production, grazing or cow-calf production, sheep, they've got a lot of sheep production here, and just really interesting overall. When we look at the uh, dairy industry in particular, their dairy herd has increased by 350,000 cows to 1.4 million head. That was between the years of 2010 to 2017. They're also predicted to rise by 2% um, by the year 2025 to 1.6 million cows. They produce about 6.7 billion liters of milk every year. And like I said again, there's 18,000 dairy farmers and in, in with the average head size, herd size of 80 cows. Over 85% of farms in Ireland make silage each year and the estimated cost of harvesting is over 1 million hectares of grass silage, which exceeds 500 million euros annually. Um, just a lot of interesting things going on here. So going to kick it off here to an interview for our Tech Tuesday today. I think a lot of producers will resonate with this interview. It's with Brian Mulcahy, who's the general manager at Herd Insights, and they're doing a lot of innovative things here with collecting data on herd sites, specifically dairy herds. But this really could be used in multiple facets of grazing operations. So I'm going to kick it over here to Brian. I'm catching up with Brian Mulcahy, who is the general manager for Herd Insights. Brian, explain to me what Herd Insights is.
0: Herd Insights is a multi-metric smart collar system. Um, it, It uses gesture recognition to identify particular gestures in a cow, and issue alerts to a farmer it early identifies estrus and early identify health issues with cows this is very very useful for dairy farmers as it helps them make more informed decisions about managing their herds whether it be the timing of the ai or whether it be an intervention they need to make that might perhaps prevent them from calling a vet so we have been involved in this for the last seven years and we've been selling it both in Ireland and internationally since 2014.
2: That's very exciting. So, the dairy side of the equation or of Hurt Insights is a dairy or a collar that you would put on dairy cattle. Is it only for dairy cattle, or could you use them in, in just normal AI or cow calf operations as well?
0: Okay, the collar was originally designed for the dairy industry, and yes, the system contains, it ex- contains a collar that's put around the cow's neck and then a base station. Um, which is mounted in the um, center of the farm normally on the parlor or the milking sheds wall Um, it is predominantly used in the dairy and milking industry but we also have customers who use it in the beef and the suckling industry for cows who may not be milked um, every day, but are bred every year and those farmers also wish to detect when they're in heat so that they can um, implement their breeding programs so it's um, predominant in the dairy, but it is also used in the beef and the suckling industry.
2: Okay, now walk me through, you, you mentioned some of the things that you can see with the, with the collars. Um, walk me through some of the data that you get from those collars.
0: Okay, so there's two main strands of data that we collect. One we call heat data or estrus data, which identifies when the cow is in heat. Normally a cow comes into heat 21 days after she has um, calved, and a heat cycle may last 3 or 4 days. Gestures that the cows make when she's in heat include mounting, where a cow may mount another cow or be mounted by another cow. It includes bunting, where a cow bangs up against another cow, normally things her head, and it includes sniffing and licking, where the cow is sniffing and licking the other cow. Also, there's eusus activity, like heightened activities of walk and heightened activities of restlessness. All those gestures we we um, identify and with him then, we can run him through clever algorithms that we design ourselves and issue an alert to the farmer. The second strand is health. There is three or four key indicators of a cow's health. One of them is grazing or feeding. So if a cow is grazing, feeding, normally she's healthy. Another one is rumination or chewing the cud, as we call it here. Um, If a cow is chewing the cud, she is healthy. And then the third one is um, um, lying down or resting we measure these gestures, we pattern these gestures to the cow, and if we identify anomalies, or spikes in any of those behaviors, we issue an alert to the farmer. So for example, that a cow that would have mastitis, she would be off her feed, so her grazing index would be down. She'd be ruminating less, because her rumination to grazing index has been affected. And she may be lying down a lot more, now depending how severe the mastitis is, and with those gestures come into our cloud, we run the algorithms on it, and if we identify that certain thresholds have been breached, we issue an alert to the farmer. In many cases, um, we have identified uh, issues with cows before uh, a a visible observation would have done so. So these gesture recognitions um, are, you know, good indicators of a cow's health and good indicator of a cow's Easter cycle.
2: Do these collars or does the data also help improve milk quality or milk quantity?
0: Not directly, only indirectly, we, we improve milk quality and quantity by providing an informed system to the farmer to give him um, to give him data to help him make decisions. So, for example, when a farmer may change his feed type, either the chop length changes or um, the, the grain size changes, the cow's rumination index will change. The cows grazing patterns will change. And with a milk yield recorder, you can correlate that data to milk yield. So it gives you a layer of information that the farmer can make decisions. So it directly doesn't increase, but indirectly the information is used to make improvements.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Data is, is essential when you're trying to make herd management decisions. Brian, the other piece of, of herd insights that I really want to make sure we talk about because a lot of farmers in the US use drone technology is the drone side of your business. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yes, um, during 2016 and 17, we began selling into international markets like Australia, America, New Zealand. And with these sales, we saw the, the bigger geographical footprint uh, and the larger herd size. These bring uh, challenges for a technology that is using transceivers and receivers and standard radio communications. And also internet connections. And our system just needs to collect the data. So in cases where the cows may not be inside or may not be milked twice a day and may perhaps be fed in an area that's several miles or several kilometers from the main farm, we saw that a solution to this would be to bring the system to them and in particular in America where drones are prevalent today in dairy farming, we coupled our technology with drone technology and now we can map out the farmer's farm, identify an area where the drone needs to go to where the herd is, send the drone out with our system, connected beneath it and within 15 minutes collect all the data that we want. Our drone also includes 4G connectivity. So as the data streams from the collar to the drone, the drone is also streaming the data from it to the cloud. And by the time the drone returns to its landing platform, the data has already been uploaded, the algorithms have already been run, and any alerts that need to be issued have already been issued. So um, we see this as being a very um, useful solution in America in particular, and then secondly in Australia and New Zealand. Um, And it works and we see um, it even enabling more services that we may not be collar-based. So, for example, I mentioned the collar and the data collection, but drones also carry cameras. Drones also carry infrared scanners. So you can also run a layer of security and maybe even run some temperature checks in an outdoor region. So we see these as services that the farmer will gravitate towards and will bring more value. So it's not just about data collection, it's a layer of confidence and a layer of assurance that your herd is secure, minded, and well looked after.
2: Yeah, for a farm size, a feedlot, or a grazing operation of 25,000, 30,000 head, the caller system doesn't seem like a viable option, but with the drone technology that you're using, they can also just run the drone out as basically a way to check those heads that are far away from their main operation.
0: Yes, we we believe so. I mean, even the the footprint of 30,000 cows is quite large. You know, if you just put 30,000 cows on a square, they fill up quite a large square. Uh, One of the exciting things about the drone technology as well, that their electric-powered vehicles, unmanned vehicles, they're almost silent. The data can be collected from, like, 10, 15 metres above the cow. They don't even know it's there. There is no interference. There is no noise. Um, So... One thing about having a good, healthy, well-milking herd is that they're comfortable, secure, they're not distressed. Um, The drone provides all these. So um, a large geographical footprint of 30,000, yes, we have the fixed unit maybe in the shed or in the parlor or in the milking unit, but it would be very simple then to put a pattern onto your drone map and let it go fly over the rest of the herd. And you're always then getting a correct reliable and consistent feed of data informing the farmer about his herd.
2: Can this be used on herds that are not dairy operation? Can it be used on beef herds?
0: Yes, Um, we are working with a global distributor right now who's presenting us to some beef herds, particularly in South America. Um, Some of their requirements are slightly different um, because um, they're in much larger ranges. Some of their ranges in Brazil and Argentina, they may be 20, 30 miles away, but that's fine. And some of the requirements are slightly different. They don't have calving patterns, per se, and they don't have milking requirements as beef herds. But, yes, we see this as a solution in beef as well, but we'll include other elements such as um, security and cameras for vision systems and maybe some temperature stuff as well. Yes.
2: So walk me through. Once I... Let's say I'm a farmer in the US and I already have a drone. What then can I do with your software system? How do I set that up for my operation?
0: Okay, if you're a farmer in the US and you wish to use our solution, you would go onto our, our um, website, hardinsights.com. You would select our drone service, and you will be asked for your details about your drone. Um, also, you would be presented with our drone solutions. Um, which may perhaps fit your need straight out of the chute in a turnkey mode. You may not have a zone. And then we will contact you. Um, we work with a company called Drone Services Ireland, who are highly expert in this particular area, all the way through the security, the warranty, the licensing, the criteria and the regulation. Uh, as you can imagine, there is certain um, restrictions on drone flying. Um, if you have a very large herd and a very, very large drone, maybe 7 or 8 kgs, then you do have to check with your local regulations and your local airspace. Um, Safety is all is first. So um, we can quickly work through that with you and then we can decide whether we can provide the hardware and software to you um, through an intermediate module that we provide or maybe perhaps you provide your drone and we would kit it out for you. But we're absolutely um, you know, I- in the view that we don't always provide the drone. We just want to provide the service, you know. If a farmer has a drone and it's working very well and it meets the requirements then there is no need to buy a second drone. We just want to enable a further service to that farmer, remote management of the herd um, it, you know, and be able to gather the data irrespective of cows having to be milked twice a day or independent of it them being on the farmyard location. So we would look at that. So go onto our website, select the drone services and he will provide the first layer of information and then we will work in partnership with him to either provide the service onto his drone or maybe through our own turnkey solution.
2: Uh, going off of that, what hardware or software solutions would I then need if I have a drone in place?
0: There is a two, well the, the hardware and the software that the drone requires is all mounted in a standalone box. There is a very, um, the, rest of the, hard, the rest of the system then is on an app. The Herd Insights application, which can be downloaded on Android or Apple's, um includes all the instructions and all the GPS activities you need in the drone. So, it would be a simple download to your smartphone. So, yes, you do need a smartphone. I am, we're not going to give you one of them. You have to get that, okay?
2: Okay, that sounds good. Brian, I have to, of course, ask, too, what is the price range on something like this?
0: Okay, well, I mean, let me... Let me describe it in terms of a system first, and then back to the. I mean, our system sells roughly um, $110 a collar. So you know, if you've a, if you have 100 collars, it's $110,000. Um, the drones that we provide right now are in the six to ten thousand dollar range. The modules for the drones are uh, roughly half that. So you know, if you want a full turnkey drone. With the system enabled on it and the application download, you're in the $10,000 region, okay? Um, And if you just want the module, you might be in the $5,000 region.
2: And then when I pay that, if I just want the module, is it $5,000 a year or is it $5,000 and I own that system?
0: You own that system. We don't like having anything only total ownership. We believe the best way to serve the customer is total ownership. All our customer service... All-or-after-sales support, that is how we do our business, and that is how we differentiate ourselves. So we just want happy customers. Um, I don't want to be harassing them for money every year.
2: That seems like a very reasonable price. Brian, one more time, how can folks find out more information if they are interested in in setting up a herd insights system on their own operation?
0: Yeah, please go to HerdInsights.com, and you will see in the pull-down menus um, options for drone services and options for collar services and options on the data, um, and all the contact details are there. So,
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Delaney, for that update. Thank you to Brian for telling us a little bit about herd Insights. I'm impressed. Delaney sounded like she was on top of her game. I didn't hear any Guinness glasses clicking in the background, so I'm glad she is working. Folks, tune in tomorrow. We'll have another update. Delaney has been talking to fascinating folks from the National Dairy Council in Ireland, the, excuse me, the co-founder the co of Fresh Graze, an Irish fellow by the name of James Drum, and Padraig Welsh, who is the founder of Dead Doc, which I haven't listened to yet. Delaney just sent it over, so I'm curious to learn what he's got going on there. Stay tuned, folks. If you've got questions, you can find us on social media at AgNewsDaily on Facebook and on Twitter, or visit the website at agnewsdaily.com. With that, I'm going to let you go.